I love peanut M&Ms. <laughs> I love peanut M&Ms. I, um, I keep a jar of them in my office along with other uh, kind of snacks, mostly for my staff to come by and grab. It's the only reason they'll come in my office is to get, is to get candy. But uh, last fall of 22, my, uh, before my oldest son left for college, we've got four boys, and so they were on four different football teams. So we had four different football games every week. And I got into a habit of eating a pack of peanut M&Ms at every football game. Right? I mean, you're there, I, you know, you're skipping dinner, you're going straight from work, straight to the game, and you're like, I'm hungry, you know, I just, I just grabbed some peanut M&Ms, and so I, I just kind of got in the habit, and my annual physical checkup is at the end of November, which is a real rookie mistake at the end of football season, right? That thing needs to be in July, after I like, had like all the spring and summer, you know, try to work, work it off. And, you know, he does all the work, and he's like, well, you're looking pretty good. Could probably stand to lose a couple pounds. And I'm like, so candy for dinner four nights a week is not a good move is what you're saying. And it's not like I didn't know that, but it just, it just, it just became a bad habit. So you said you like right here, so you're, you're in the front. There you go. You, you get them. There you go. That was a bad throw by me. I said, you sit in the front, you might get candy. So here's what, was, here's what was true that I knew is unhealthy behaviors lead to an unhealthy me. And I mean, so I had to just get over that. I had some behaviors that were leading me to not be the healthiest version of me. They lead to an unhealthy me. So I had to change some behaviors. I had to be like, okay, you know, not have a pack of M&Ms at every game, I had to change some disciplines to lose a few pounds and to become a healthier version of me. And when it comes to things like diet and exercise, and I know you're thinking like, man, we're doing this Sunday before Thanksgiving? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not really what it's about. But, but it's such, that's such a tangible thing, right? When it comes to diet and exercise, we know that. We know that our input it impacts what's in me. It impacts our health. We know eating poorly, non-existent exercise, like you know all that stuff that an unhealthy behaviors lead to an unhealthy me. But let me ask you this, is it possible that the unseen me and the unseen you is similar? Is it possible that outward behaviors impact our inward health? And this is big because if it's true that we can't quite define, and you've seen this graphic throughout the series, we keep coming back to it. If it's true that, that our, our spiritual health, our kind of spirits, that's the part that we're, we do in church a lot, and our mental health and our mo emotional health. If it's true that we don't quite know where our mental health ends and our spiritual health begins, and we don't quite know where our spiritual health ends and our emotional health begins, and, by, and all the way around, and all the way around the circle, like if we don't quite know, but we know that they intersect. We know that they're a little bit different, but they all are a little bit the same, and they all kind of make up this person who we are. If that's true, and they have this mystical intersection deep inside of us, then when one part is unhealthy, it, it can make the rest of us unhealthy. 
And by the time we're finished today, we're going to see how our behaviors and decisions have a direct impact on our spiritual health. And that's what I want to close this series talking about is spiritual health. Because that's really our lane in the church. While also realizing that our mental and emotional health are directly impacted by our spiritual health. But we are spiritual beings. And that's, that's what the church speaks into. I mean, like we believe that we have the Holy Spirit living in us as followers of Jesus. And you can too if you're not a follower of Jesus. And that God wants you to be the most spiritually healthy version of you. And so that's kind of the lane I want to lean into today. Also knowing and part of the series has been just uh, being so grateful for our partnership with healthy, with mental health professionals like you've seen in the video each week. And because we want to know, we know that they are speaking into areas that maybe we can't quite touch and we want us to have the healthiest version of, of ourselves. So Paul wrote a letter to a church that we call the book Ephesians that were struggling with this issue of their behaviors and their, their spiritual health, how it was impacting them on the inside. Now, the city of Ephesus was a very religious city long before Paul showed up. But get that right. Not Christian, but religious. Ephesus was home to a huge influential temple in uh, the first century and long before that called the Temple of Artemis. Now, this is an artist rendering of what it might have looked like at the time in the ancient world. This was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. That's what it may have looked like. We think it was something like that. You can go to Ephesus today and you can see the ruins of that temple. I mean, it's amazing just to think about that they built that thousands of years ago without the equipment. I mean, we got big yellow machines out here this week knocking things down. They had no big yellow machines. They built this with with people, it's unbelievable. Artemis, whom this temple uh, honored, was the sister of Apollo, and she was the Greek goddess of the hunt and the wilderness. And temple life absolutely permeated Ephesian culture. So every person, everybody in this church that Paul is addressing, they lived under the influence their whole lives of this cultic way of life under Artemis and under the influence of temple ethics, which were much different than Christian ethics. They had an Ephesian way of life. And of course, if you read any of Paul's teachings, if you read any of his letters, Paul already is addressing in almost every letter, and he does in, in, uh, he does in Ephesians. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. There's always this tension in Paul's teaching against him speaking of, against what was called at that time the Judaizers. And those were the Jewish Christians who were kind of still claiming there's always this tension. If you read Romans, Galatians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, there's always this tension. There were some Jewish Christians who were teaching that you had to continue to follow all the Jewish laws plus have faith in Jesus. And almost, I mean, that's what Romans is all about. That's what Galatians is almost all about. That no, it is Christ alone, Christ alone. Faith in Jesus is what counts. And you don't have to do the both and. So there's already that tension. But then you had the tension with a community like Ephesus. Like that wasn't really a problem because they were Gentile Christians. And so when they heard the message 
like in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it's one of my favorite verses right at the beginning of the book. That It's one of the most famous verses that kind of explains what salvation is. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for this is not by works so that no one can boast. And this is not from yourselves, but is a gift from God. Right, so what Paul is saying there is like it is Christ alone, Christ alone, Christ alone, that is all. And the Ephesians are like, so... My works don't impact my salvation, so I can just do whatever I want. That's what an Ephesian heard. So there was always this tension with Paul, with like the Jewish Christians, and they're like saying, you got to do, do, do this, do this. And then the Gentiles Christians are like, so we can do anything. And he's like, ah, it's, it's not quite there. Because here's what Paul's telling the Ephesians. This is what this is going to be all about today. He's like, no, no, unhealthy behaviors lead to an unhealthy me. Yes, you're saved by Christ alone. Yes, it is grace alone, by faith alone. Yes, it is not by works. Yes, your behaviors won't impact your salvation, but they will impact you. Like Your unhealthy behaviors will lead to an unhealthy me. You will not be the you that you were created to be. So Paul writes this letter to Ephesians who have become Christians but are still living like Ephesians. And this is what he says, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, if you got your Bibles, or maybe you're watching uh, at home and you want to open up your Bibles there. If you're in the room and you don't have a hard copy, then uh, take one at our bookshelves when you leave. We're going to start in verse 17. This is what it says. So that's it. Just remember the culture of who he's talking to. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of of their thinking. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And of course, their response to Paul would have been, but Paul, we're Gentiles. Like, uh, like that, that's, that's who we are. And Paul would have said, not anymore. You have a new identity. And in Christ, there is neither Greek nor Jew. You are a son, you are a daughter of the living God. You have a new identity. And then he uses this phrase like the futility of their thinking. The Greek phrase there means like void of truth, depraved. And he says, you have got this, you've got this depraved thinking that is void of truth. You have believed a lie that your behaviors won't impact you. You have bought into, it is void of truth, the way that the Gentiles live, the way that your Ephesian friends live, the way that you always grown up, you bought into a lie, and that's this, that what you do won't affect you. What you do won't affect you. Oh, it don't matter what you do out here. It it, it won't really impact you. It, It won't really, you know, you'll be fine. You can just do whatever out here as long as you believe the right things in your heart. You know, the inside will be okay. And you know that's not true. You know it's a lie. You know it's a lie. You know it's a lie, Paul would say. And we know it's a lie. Now, here's how I know. Because we all had this experience as a child. Like, do you remember the first time you lied to your parents as a child? You remember this? And your heart, it might have been a teenager, young teenager, maybe a child, and your heart was about to beat out of your chest as you were lying. Do you remember this? Or am I the only one that lied to my parents? Is there anybody else? Okay, thank you. We got some, we got some honest people in the front row here. 
And your heart was about to beat her, and they bought it. Like you broke something, and you said you didn't, or something happened, you know, whatever it is. And they bought it, and your heart was about to beat out of your chest. And you went to bed that night, and it was all you could think about. And it started to eat you up inside. And you went, you did that for like two or three days, and every day it got worse and worse. And you woke up one morning, two or three days later, and you did the craziest thing because you had diverted disaster. You had not gotten punished. You had not gotten trouble, and they bought it hook, line, and sinker. But for some crazy reason, you went to your mom and daddy, and you're like, y'all, I got to talk. I lied to you. <laughs> no, and why did you do that? Why did I do that? Because it is a lie that what you do won't affect you. What we do, God's laws are written on our hearts. And when we sin against God, something in us starts to twist and to turn. And the Ephesians are believing this lie that they can just willy-nilly do whatever they want and it won't impact their lives. And it's not true. And some of us, we have all had seasons of our lives when we tried to do this. And we just tried to pretend that it wouldn't impact us and live as Ephesians. And Paul says, this is why this is so wrong. Let me tell you about the Gentiles. This is why I don't want you guys to live like this, Paul says. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to every to, to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Paul says that when... When we do that, when we act like our behaviors don't matter, that something happens in us. I mean, and, and what Paul's saying is he's saying, listen, Ephesians, Ephesian church, would you just listen to me? One of the most unhealthy things you can do for the spiritual, mental, and emotional you, for the unseen you, is be stuck in a pattern of sin. One of the most unhealthiest things for the unseen me is sin. When we sin, Paul says we are separated from the life of God. We are separated from our life source. We are separate. What happened in the Garden of Eden? They could eat from the tree of life, and then they sin, and they are separated from life. And what happened to Adam and Eve happens to us. When we sin, all of a sudden, it is this brokenness happens between us and God. It's simple. Sin separates it separates us from the version of us that God has in mind. It separates us from the life that flows through God. It separates us from the light that shines in Jesus that is supposed to be in all humankind. Sin separates. And we're not supposed to be separated. We're supposed to be unified. And then Paul he has this phrase, this really interesting term. It says they lose all sensitivity the, the Greek word for that is really fascinating. It's apalgeo, and it means to cease to feel pain or grief, to become callous, insensible to pain, or apathetic. Paul says if we get stuck in these patterns of sin, if we don't live in the truth, then we will, we will lean toward death and darkness, and we will get a dead heart we will get desensitized, we will become numb, we will become apathetic, we will wither on the inside because we are not connected 
to the vine. We're separated. You'll become dead inside. Sin desensitizes the unseen me. Paul says, Ephesians, listen up. You think it doesn't matter. You think you can just do whatever you want. It matters. There are consequences of sins. It separates us from life. And can I say this? If you are stuck, if you are living in a pattern of sin and you think that it's not a big deal and you think I'm not hurting anyone and you think you know better than God, I just want to tell you something. It is doing something inside of you that is going to show up at some point. It is separating you from the life source of God. And one of the reasons sometimes we are unhealthy spiritually is because we have not let the great physician all the way in. Well, here's how Paul goes on. That, however, that way that the Gentiles are living, they don't even know how bad it's hurting them. Paul says, that's, that's not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus Christ... That is not the way that you learned. Paul says, you know better. That's not how I taught you. That's not how the pastors I left behind to lead you have taught you. You were taught, you were taught with a great commission faith to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and to obey Jesus and all that he commanded. You know better and now you're in a predicament and you don't know what to do, but there is hope. If you want to be healthy on the inside, Paul says you need to do some deep cleaning. But it's actually more like a wardrobe change. This is what he says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. This is what we taught you. To put off the old self. To, put, to t- literally take it off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Your inside is being corrupted if you will not take off the old self. Paul says to completely let it go. Before you do any healing or deep cleansing, you got to get rid of the bad stuff. This you has to go. Those behaviors have to go. Listen to this. That person was unhealthy. That person sabotaged relationships. That person undermined your future, harmed your health, damaged your family, and undercut your career. That you had a hard heart. That is not the you that is in Christ. It isn't even the real you. That you is an imposter. It is a shadow you that has believed the lie That it will make you happy. And you probably know we're not talking about M&M's anymore. But it will instead leave you empty. And unhealthy. And apathetic. And numb. Put off the old self. Can I just say this? For some of us. Sometimes putting off the old self is going to mean to stop hanging out with the people that the old self hung around with. I mean, sometimes putting off the old self means stopping behaviors. Sometimes it means bringing an end to some relationships 
that are continuing, continuing to feed the old self. What Paul is talking about here is real repentance, real life change. Here's what he's saying, like it's corrupting you. Who you used to be, who you've been might be destroying who God wants you to be. Who you've been might be destroying who God wants you to be. This is about repentance and truly repenting of who you've been. Now, we, repentance is like a big churchy word, right? And people often get repentance wrong. In fact, if you ever hear the word repentance, sometimes somebody will say, what does repentance mean? And you probably heard this. It means to do a 180. You ever heard that? Now, how many people do you know have gone to like a revival service or a, or a youth service or they get saved and they come down at a church service and they repent, repent of their sins and they turn around and do a 180 in life and never sin again? Anybody know that person? Was that you? Is that your story? No, that's none of our story, right? To repent is my, one of my favorite words in the New Testament. To repent means I change my thinking. It is, this is where the mental side begins to intersect with the spiritual side. To repent means to shift my thinking or to change my mind. I shift the way I think about sin, about my old self, about the old modes of living. We have to repent of the things that we thought were going to make us happy and seem like fun. And I still like the taste of M&Ms. Every one of them. Some people say the green ones are better. That's a lie from the devil. The blue ones are good too. And the red ones and the yellow ones. Yeah, but I had to shift my thinking. I had to shift my thinking and say, hey, that's not that they don't taste good. It's not that I don't like them. It's, it's that what I know is that I probably don't need to eat them four nights a week. That is not what is best for me to be the best version of me. Repenting means shifting my thinking, and this, this is big. This might mean confessing and turning away from the things God has put a boundary around that we don't like, that we think differently about. If you are inwardly unhealthy, is it possible that it's because you've ignored some commands and boundaries from God and pretended that everything is okay, but you are inwardly living in darkness because you have not allowed God's light in? Here's the question we all have to ask. Do you think his version of you is better than your version of you? Do you think his version of you, when what you want to do doesn't line up with what he tells us to do? And all of us struggle with this in some way, form, or fashion. It's just different for all of us. Do you think his version of you is better than your version of you? That's why repentance It's changing your mind. It's not saying you're sorry and crying your eyes out and feeling bad for sin. It's changing your mind about your future and what you want you to look like in the future. And do you think, this is the, this is the biggie for this series, do you think that this spiritually healthy version of your unseen you will impact your mental side, your emotional side? I think it can and it will. Listen how Paul closes it out. So you remember in verse 22, this is what he said. This, let me just kind of repeat this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That's what we taught you. Take off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. 
And this is why, to be made new, and this is where the mental side comes in. When you do this spiritually, and this begins to change inside you spiritually, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is a conscious decision. You won't magically become a new person. We have to make a mental decision to put off our old self, and the stakes couldn't be higher. And Paul says there's only way you get to the new you. The only way you do it is this. You only see, you can only see the new you when you surrender the old you. You can only see the new you, the one God created you to be, the one God is making you to be, the version of you that God has in mind. You can only get it, you can only see it when you surrender the old version of you, when you take off your old self. We can be made new in Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you, you're going to like the new you so much better. The new attitude of our mind says that we are no longer the old version of ourselves. The, the new version of ourselves desires the things of God, righteousness, holiness. This new version is more like God. Now, here's the mistake the, the Ephesians made. They thought that was a one-time decision. And I think that's a mistake Americans make. Like we think it's just like, well, I made that decision when I was eight years old, and I just want to tell you, brother, you're going to need to make it at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning again, and probably about eight after eight when somebody in your house says something a little mouthy to you. You're going to need to do it again. You're going to find your old self welling back up inside of you, and you have to continue to surrender and say, that's not who, who I am. That's not who I want to be because here's what you need to know about the old you. The old you is a liar, the old you will tell you it will make you happy, but it will leave you empty. The old you says you'll be fully alive, but you'll be emotionally dead. The old you says you can be free and do what you want. Instead, you'll be in bondage because you can't help but do what you want. The old you just wants the M&Ms and doesn't care about the consequences of your future you. The old me is a liar and the old you is a liar. In this series, there are uh, so many variables that we've talked about when it comes to the unseen me. And what my hope has been is that this isn't just like a four weeks and, oh, man, I feel so much better because my hope is that this series has been an invitation to take some healthy steps. Um, that might be therapy, support groups. Um, it might be going to see a mental health professional. And one of the things that we've put together on our website that will kind of stay active and live for a while is mountaintopchurch.com, Unseen Me. And it's got so many resources because what I hope, what I hope this series has done is at least opened up something in your heart if you need a next step to take that next step there are playlists on there for you to take a walk with that will encourage you lift up your spirit there are books on there that are healthy there are uh, people that you can contact there are organizations locally and nationally that you can connect with to help you be the best version of you but I believe this with all my heart where we started with is that this spiritual side of us this mental side of us and this emotional side of us 
that you have a choice, a decision that you make to have a new attitude with your mind on whether or not to walk towards spiritual health, and there are going to be a lot of influences. There are going to be a lot of influences. And this is why I believe in the local church. You need church to help you walk towards spiritual health. You need a small group to help you walk towards spiritual health. Because here's what I know, here's what I know. If you try to get the mental side, the emotional side, and the spiritual side is off, not connected, separated, numb, apathetic, you will never be the best version of you. You can only see the new you when you surrender the old you. And it won't be one time. It'll be every single morning. Every single moment when the old you tells you another lie. And when you hear it creeping in, when you hear it creeping in, here's what I want you to remember. That's not who you are. It's who you were. You can see the new you. There is a new you. But you'll have to surrender the old you to see it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you see a version of ourselves that's so much better. Lord, your word says, I just want to stand on that promise, that you are able to do immeasurably more than we, at, we can ask or imagine. And we, we feel like we have big plans for our lives, for our futures. But Lord, there is a new me inside of me and a new you inside of all these yous in this room and watching online. And you have, your plans are so much bigger. You want to do so much more than we can ask or imagine. So today, God, would be a day. My prayer, that we surrender the old you. Maybe for the first time, or maybe one more time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are uh, going to close with a song called I'm Going to See a Victory. Uh,